Action Park Media. Welcome to another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. I'm Kevin Connolly, sitting in for Kevin Dillon <laughs> while Doug Allen eats his oats and weird... My mush. Again, you're getting me like in these problems all the time because today I'm eating my mush. I'm on 14 days, no sugar added, which I've done a few times during the pandemic, but I'm back because I've really... I've been getting fatter. You're telling me the body's not popping again. I, I got to get back in shape. But anyway, the body was popping for about four seconds. But whatever yeah. it is. But the mush I'm eating this morning, and Sarah all of a sudden is like, "Do you really eat that while you're doing the podcast?" I'm like, and I didn't even remember you said it. I said, "I don't. I don't know." She said, "Well, Kevin says that you wait till it starts, and she says you make kind of strange sounds, so I don't think that's a good idea for the podcast." I, I just yeah, you're like you, anytime you're eating and talking, it, it it's weird. Especially I don't do that though. Okay. I mean, I don't okay. think so. I'm not um, eating right now. I'll, I like when we take a break. So. I'd like to talk to you about something. Okay. So victory, the podcast, we all know that started out. I'm uncomfortable in the bubble boy booth. I yeah. like the bubble boy. Booth, I don't like it. Right. Yeah. Well, Charlie Sheen doesn't like it. Right. But, okay. but you pull me out into the game. Yep. Right. You're in the game. And look, I'm a starter, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm a starter. I agree. Right. Which means I got to carry the ball 20 times. I got to, I, I need ice time. I need, I need looks at the hoop. I tell me exactly what you're saying. What I'm saying is I, I, I don't, I feel like you're constantly waving your hand at me like an interview. Like you're dominating the interview. You're not letting me get any in any questions because right. you're afraid I'm going to send it spinning. You know, you've been doing interviews for two weeks. You're not dying in Sawyer. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we'll talk about a couple of things because I don't want you to have problems with your talent like you have with Dylan with me, because what happened with Dylan is you promised Dylan he could show up whenever the fuck he felt like it, which he's now proving he, Yo, thought, he, he, he took he, it literally. He really took the ball and ran with it, didn't he? And then the other thing is you said it's you said it's my show and 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 you're going to support me. So right. now you've come in, and I think you're great, by the way. I think you should have your own show, okay? But you come in now, and you you want to take us to the breaks. I don't do want to take us to the breaks. I love I your questions, though. I don't, don't want to take us to the breaks. I'm kidding. What I would like to do is have a fair crack at asking a couple questions, because you know what else you do? And I don't know. I, we could pull this up, maybe even a social clip. You do this thing. You do this thing. You go like that. And, <laughs> and, and no one and knows what he's like, doing. He's waving his finger at me. He's he waving his finger at me, like, as if to say, no, 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 no. Like, what you know, I like to do, because I, I have watched other people do this, I try my best. Once I finish my sentence, I then, even if another thought comes into my head, a great one. I try to wait like a conductor. I try to go. Oh, you're conducting. Wait, just wait, especially so the guests. So we get the guests to finish their sentence. But I want to say I offer some insight into some conversations. I think you're great. But anyway, a couple other things. You, you brought some other things to attention. Now you are the man behind the scenes of the podcast. So you have to take accountability for the problems. What you what did problems? to Charlie Sheen is so. Oh, God. I mean, that could send that. this podcast down. So let me tell you. And we have a social clip from also it, too. Kevin Carigi and the maestro was, I believe, an eyewitness. Were you there for the parking debacle, Kevin? Well, let's talk about what it was. Okay. We know we have Action Park Media parking problems. We know Connolly has had battles with the florist who's no longer here. He's moved on. Colin Coward is still on the air, but the florist is gone. But anyway, truthfully, the- Doug's always breaking my balls about parking at the place, and he's exaggerating to a certain extent. It's not ideal parking, but I'm exaggerating. Did Charlie Sheen call me at 10 o'clock at night because we left him in the streets on Robertson? The man lives in Malibu, and they closed the they gate, closed the on, gate him. on his car. He could not get out during a pandemic. He had to get an Uber to Malibu. I will be honest. I was ashamed. I, I felt great. I felt great shame. And <laughs> I, and also too, you know, Kevin Kriggian goes out. They left us. I was, I was with Eddie and Charlie and we were, we were sitting around the table. We were talking Kriggian and Scotty leave. They realize that the gate is closed. Kevin, his house keys are in his car. So Scotty pulls up the gate. Kriggian shimmies, shimmies mm. under the gate to go to his car to get his house keys. And he's going to come back and get his car the next day. When he comes out, there's, there's Charlie Sheen, Sheen <laughs> standing there. Laughing, Kev. Did he seem to be taking it as a joke? He was serious. He was serious. He was like, "We are not taking an Uber back to Malibu. There is no way." Was he upset? Because when he called me, he seemed very pleasant, which is amazing. Did he threaten Connolly at all? Oh, I didn't hear any of that. Okay. Or, or did he uh, relay any messages that might have led you to believe that he was upset with Action Park Media? <laughs> he said he hadn't been through some like that since high school. <laughs> since high school. And now, let me tell you, the bigger problem is, aside from the shame of of embarrassing a star like Charlie Sheen, we're trying to get a podcast of his over to Action Park Media, and now. I admit that was a bad look. But also, you know what I wanted. What to discuss? ended up happening? <laughs> That's what I would like. He to took know. an Uber to Malibu, and, and then. Ubered back. Oh yeah, the next, the next day. day. That's oh, right. God. Now, so do you send them? Does Action Park Media send a gift? What do I send them? I'd send them anything. a watch, a car. Well, I mean, I, no, I well, won't send anything. Them a watch. Food? Send them a, what, you mean watch? What kind of watch? <laughs> I, I don't know. Something. Get him a fucking. You got to do something for Charlie Sheen. I don't know, but I want to talk about something else. If our star, our real star, Kevin Dillon, 
had been left in the streets. Forget about it. What do you think he would have done? He would have been mad at me. I know he would have been mad at you. Do you think he, does he burn down the building? Is it like a, uh, uh, no, it, I think Kevin does it look is, like the capital insurrection out yeah, there. Yeah. Caribbean. Am I, would I be right in saying that it was pretty obvious that the ship had sailed and there was nothing that anybody could do. So getting upset about it wasn't going to help anybody. Right. Yeah. There was nothing you could do. It was over. That's a great attitude. That was nothing you do with the florist, but you almost killed him. Well, there was something I could do with the florist. He could have told me where my car was. That's true. All right. So we owe Charlie Sheen an apology. And I would like to get him a gift. I just don't know what to get him. I'm not going to get him a watch. The worst <laughs> suggestion I've ever heard in my entire life. I think we should let the audience should, should send in some ideas for what Kevin Connolly should buy for Charlie Within Sheen. Within reason I that he would appreciate. Him. Of course you don't. I, I take responsibility for that one. Good. Um, good. I like the accountability. Yeah. Therapy's I'm, working. I'm accountable. And also, too, I'm not going to lie. I was fucking horrified. Yeah. Because also, for a second, I was. I thought he was saying that he left his keys in the office. So I'm back in the car and I'm racing down Doheny thinking, I'm like, yo, I'm six minutes out. Don't move. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> The car. So, by the way, I understood the, the problem, and I, I, I like because we're both similar. I said, "I'm on my way down. I'm going to drive you to Malibu." So, I was oh. ready to do that, but he he didn't. I let didn't me. think that. Yeah, I guess I could have done that. <laughs> oh, you didn't I, offer that. You I just didn't offer that. To what, open the door once he said that you opening the Action Park Media doors wasn't going to help you. Like I'm going to sleep. Yeah, I, I, just, I didn't, I didn't know, but man, I was, I was, I was horrified. All right, how and are I'm, we going to treat Jeff Ross better today? Well, listen. Couple things. We order. We order them a salad. He's got a Chinese chicken salad with his name on it from Jones. I think that's a good starter. I'm excited about this. You know why? Well, let's talk about the interview process, Doug, with okay. Jeff Ross. Because yeah. I, I would like to ask a question once. I wait till they finish the sentence. But you can and ask then you jump on it and ask a new question. I think it should be we do a little signal between us. So I we know try who goes doing next. That. Let's try that. We'll let's see try how that. It goes. Just maybe not a hand. Not maybe not this. Maybe yeah. like a wink. <laughs> like a or like a you know the facial right when you do the thing like. All right. You know I, will, saying? I will work on something, but I like your questions. I have no problem. Okay. While this is all happening, by the way, what's funny is Jeff Ross, who roasted me at my own birthday eight years ago, who will make us as insecure as any human being could ever be is coming on. I'm excited because Connolly was at this birthday party where Jeff Ross roasted me and I will post the video. You have never heard someone who's got to be 250 yards away from the stage and the laughter is like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Do you remember that? I, I was laughing because two things. I know that you're sensitive, right? So I was laughing at how bad he was burying you. Which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. I thought the actual roasting itself was guy's a genius. Man. And then and him roasting you is even the roast as a roast was funny, but him roasting you and you just kind of taking it at the whole thing was, I got to tell was, you something, it was hilarious, which I want to talk to him about. I don't want to be roasted. I don't want to be roasted, but I would like to talk to him about this is what, why I'm glad we're talking about this. I'd like to talk to him about the roasting process. All right. The history of the roast. We will do that. But can I ask you, you know, cause I know it's not my job. I'm just an employee here at action park media. Is there a plan for his car? <laughs> oh god uh, we haven't uh well you know what? Right. listen we're gonna take a break i'm gonna actually meet jeff outside and and personally make sure he's part I'll, I'll get his chinese chicken salad ready to go i love it we'll be back with jeff ross all right welcome back victory the podcast one of my favorite comics who i was lucky enough to have actually roast me at my own birthday party the king party. of the roast the jeff king ross. of the roast the roast Thank master you. jeff ross how you doing bud am i the first guest who hasn't been on your fucking show <laughs> no that's Interesting. Not. No, Interesting. we've had a bunch. Jordan Belfort. Oh, okay. Andrew I really Whitworth been enjoying the, the podcast. Oh thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. And I'm enjoying yours as well. I really enjoy listening to you guys reminisce about the old guys when Turtle was fat. And... <laughs> <laughs> this is like high school quarterbacks reliving the good old days. Totally. Yep. Yeah, but we try to move forward. We're trying to move forward. You it's know? fun, though, to talk about some of those, some of those days. Yeah. It is. No, I've, I've been enjoying it. I've been yeah. enjoying it. So it's 3 o'clock LA time, but this is early for you, you said. I just literally stretched and yawned, and I had breakfast and ran over here, and I got a flat, and I'm like, you know what? I could use some some bonding time, some laughs. This is good midday kind of thing. Right, I did good. two shows late last night. There's all these pop-up quasi-legal comedy shows happening all over L.A. right now. So where did you do this last night? And is there an audience? In a parking lot behind Musso and Frank's. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Seriously. <laughs> it's crazy. But the lineups are all, like, amazing. It's like Sarah Silverman and Bill Burr and David Spade. And, wow. And so how do you get tickets for these things? You got to know people. Well, I know you now. I need tickets. I got to see you and Bill calls. Burr live. I would come on down. I'm on down. I will come down as soon as there's a ticket ready. And what? You Anytime. sit in your car. Wednesday, and Wednesday, I'm doing a show with Sarah. You can come. 
I'm in. Where right. is it? At the Mousseau and Franks? No, theater? it's a little, it's a couple blocks from there. But Connolly's a sensitive guy. He's like, I don't want Jeff Ross roasting me. I already was roasted by you. I don't want it again. I'm we can roast ro- Dylan. I'm not going to roast Kevin. Kevin, poor, he looks like a... I'm scared already. No, it's <laughs> But Jeff... Connolly I- looks like a kid who's, <laughs> whose dad was a fireman and never came home. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is great. Kevin, thank you for taking a break from your social studies homework to fill in for Dylan. Where the fuck is Dylan? Dylan, How does he blow me off? He's you know, doing a movie with Frank Grillo. That's oh, all wow. we know. And Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis. But he blows us off. You know what's funny is my friend, Constance Schwartz, she runs into him in, in Mississippi and goes, I'm with Kevin Dillon. I'm like, that's great. Tell him he, he actually has a job here. She said he laughed and said, call him. <laughs> Wow. So he he took a $1,000 microphone to Mississippi, and we haven't heard from him since, correct? We have not heard from him. I was on Grillo's Netflix show, uh, Kingdom, for a couple episodes. He's a badass good guy. He yeah. really is. He's and a, a great actor. Good for Kevin Dillon. Went from platoon to cocoon. <laughs> How fucking old is this guy now? <laughs> good question. How old is Kevin Dillon? Well, we can't, oh, we can't just abuse him. So, it's Jeff, <laughs> I'm going to go see you Wednesday night. You're doing with Bill Burr, who's great. You love Sarah Silverman. Sarah. But, you know, these. this is not a specific. Like, these gigs are popping up every couple of days. I'm doing these sort of. It keeps me sane during the quarantine. Craig Robinson, we went out to dinner one night. It was Dom Herrera's birthday, so we brought him some uh, gumbo, just brought him to his house. And then Craig says, follow me uh, to some parking lot in North Hollywood. So I didn't know what was going on. I just followed him. And Craig just parks and just walks on stage. It was like 60 people. And he does like five minutes, and then he just introduces me. And I hadn't been on stage in like a year. And that's really never. I've never done that. So we just became like a team for the night. And then we've been doing a lot of pop-up shows together as Ross and Robinson. Oh, well, that's great. It's and really fun. Are your sets normally improvised or you have them written out or what? It's mostly improvised. I have some, you know, some ideas here and there. But for the most part, I go in the moment, work the crowd, try to be present. Right. Listen to what, you know, what the comic before me is, the vibe. And just for really, honestly, like, this is my first year home since since I was a kid. And I always thought of comedy as like my life, but it's good. You know, take a break and you learn to miss it. And I love it again. Like I love it more than ever. Yeah, I would get depressed after I got off stage. It would just, I don't know. It was well, tough. that was part of the process of working through going, man, I can't let this hurt me. I, got, I love it too much to let it depress me. So I learned to, to enjoy those bombing moments, those awkward moments, those re, that rejection. I learned to embrace that. And I even have a big neon sign on my house that says enjoy the process to remind myself. Deb, I, could you enjoy the process I, for uh, one moment of your life? I, I enjoy this process. I actually like this. This I like. I've never enjoyed the writing process. Stand-up process was was too mentally taxing for me. I mean, um, and it wasn't even bombing, by the way. It was just anything about it was just. What was your act about? That, that's was, a good question. I mean, I have tapes. I'll give them to you. But I was observational. To be honest with you, I, I was pretty good. Mark like, oh, look at this crowd. Uh. No, I, 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 had, I had good, smart, written jokes. <laughs> but, uh, let me uh, tell my girlfriend, hey, we can't go out Saturday. We're going to listen to Doug Ellen's open mic tapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he goes again. Jeff, do you, do you have any recollection of the laughter that this lunatic oh, was doing the man. night of my birthday? Eight years ago, Jeff roasted me at, at my friend Mark Roberts. Robert's house and Conley was laughing like De Niro in Cape Fear. I have it on tape. It's Jeff, nuts. That no... was Mark Roberts' house? That was Mark Roberts' house. Mark yeah. Roberts has become my really good friend. Really? I didn't even fucking realize that that was his house. And do you know whose house it was before? No. That was the Kardashian house before it. That no was from idea. the show. That was the, sh- the house I in was the in, show before. I was shooting something that day and I rolled up literally 15 minutes before. I didn't know. I didn't. I saw Saget and Spade and a couple of people I knew. And I was with my sister and nephews. And they met, I think it was Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson was there. Was there yeah. And I, I did, Saget did send me a picture the other day from that night. <laughs> and uh, my brother-in-law's brother, Andrew, sent me the video, I guess he shot that night. Andrew Stahl, he sent me that the other night, too. And there's some good jokes in there. It's great. Well, here's the thing, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I'm just a huge fan of the whole thing. It just fucking kills me, man. The roast, know. you mean, or what? Yeah, Jeff, the roast, the way he does it. Like, dude, on, Thanks, on his Instagram, people will, which is psychotic, text him a, a picture of like themselves I five know. girls say roast us i'm like <laughs> what are these people thinking by the way i thought proceeds to eviscerate i mean just dismantles them i like, thought when you started this which correct me if i'm wrong is like the last six months yeah that it was the most genius idea and am i wrong your instagram is kind of blown up from this right like i started um early in the quarantine doing live insta roasts whereas i was just scooped up so on the weekends i would just 
everybody was home. So I would just let people go live. And some you get everybody from Snoop Dogg to like just some <laughs> schmuck in like uh, Budapest or something like, you know, and it got my roast muscles working. And now I'm getting hundreds of DMs every day going, roast me, roast me, roast me. It is it's so healing. amazing for me because it's not from, it would be torture for me and, and don't. Right. Please. That's not an invitation. I got enough problems. <laughs> we that can't go moment. out this weekend, honey. We got to watch Doug Ellen's. <laughs> no, no, but, I'm not going to make fun of Doug. But this I, is your podcast. <laughs> you're in charge. And I'm just happy that, that the company here found headphones big enough for your ears. <laughs> my friend Jeff Jacobson, my college roommate, is going to fucking die over that one. But you know what the sick thing is? I actually do. I, I literally get anxiety even thinking about him discussing it. So please. I will. I promise. Stop. The funniest part so guy. far is you guys talking so much that I I don't have a chance to make fun of you. <laughs> We're gonna, but it's fine. I, I promise. We'll, we'll call it truce. What I would like to talk about is the the history of the roast, right? Oh. Now, it goes back to sort of, right, the, the, the Rat Pack and these guys, right? Before that. Before that. George M. Cohan and the Friars Club 110 years ago. They would do these testimonial uh, lunches um, for each other. Like, it was all publicists and, and, and New York Broadway people and stuff like that. And there's pictures of them around. Uh they were always, you know, you, there was no cable back then. So to hear these old comics, Georgie Jessel and Milton Berle, use dirty words, that was a novelty. It wasn't until 95 that I came in and it was already kind of, it was, a, that was like a dead time for it. It was like if I told somebody I was in a roasting, it was like saying jousting or Latin, <laughs> like it was a lost art. Right. Like if I went to a comedy club and said, hey, I'm roasting Drew Carey. In 1998, they didn't know what a roast was. I'd have to explain to them what a roast was. It just seemed mean. So it wasn't until uh, they became popular again that I was able to go, hey, I'm roasting somebody and people would be on board. But you made them popular. I guess so. So, but, well, so is it, hey, I want to I made that first link between the Friars, because it was one of those things that was sacred. The old guys were like, this should never be on TV. And I was like, I don't know. I'm really good at it. I really think (laughs) this is my thing. I got to get it on TV. And I didn't have the... the understanding to make it to be like in charge of it i just like i made a meeting between the friars club comedy central and drew carey and his manager and that's kind of what clicked so into how TV. did you know you were good at this i used to actually go to some friars club roasts when i was young with my dad used to take but me they to weren't it. televised like you had to be there right that's even cooler yeah, yeah but it was it was very cool but i want to know you said you were you knew you were good at it so was this something you did in in comedy were you abusing the audience or even even in my stand-up, I was, like, anecdotal. I did poetry. You know, I, I'd worked the crowd as, like, a segue, but it wasn't something I, I understood that I was good at. It was only later when I got asked to do a roast. It was mid-'90s, coming off the—they uh, they couldn't get anybody. Like, the roasts were hot, like, for a long time, in the you know, within the New York elites. You right. Know, it was, like, the one—and I, I did a golf tournament that the Friars Club produced— Greg Fitzsimmons asked me to do, and honoring his dad, who was a broadcaster, Bob Fitzsimmons. And I didn't know anybody, but it was the Friars Club out in some golf tournament in New Jersey. And Freddie Roman, the head of the Friars Club, was hosting it, and he gave me some intro where he just shit all over me. So I was like, what the fuck is this, man? I'm like, I'm already, like, doing a freebie. Like, what is this? And uh, I just started ripping on him. because I'm Freddie. Yeah. Who's anyone who doesn't know him, one of the great you know, old time comic. But he kind of pissed you off because he was like taking shots to you on the intro. You're like, he what didn't the fuck? Piss me off, but he poked me. Right. And now I'm up here like swimming with the sharks. Like these are a bunch of, you know, rich friars guys at a golf. They've been drinking all day. They're going <laughs> to eat me alive if I don't come back at this guy. And he was loud and boisterous. And I said, I guess they call him Freddie Roman because you can fucking hear him in Italy. <laughs> Just kind of a easy, easy shot back. And I kind of I did went into my act and did my regular thing, which kind of they connected with. And then like a month later, Jean-Pierre Trebeau, the the executive director of the Friars Club, calls me up and he's like, we're roasting Steven Seagal <laughs> in a month. And would you like to do it? And I was like, talk about oh. low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and back then, you know, mid you couldn't Google anything. There was no YouTube. I had to go to the Museum of Broadcasting and look up the roast, the Dean Martin roast. Right. There was no DVDs out. It was nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, let me see how this works. I don't really care about Steven Seagal, <laughs> but Henny Youngman, Milton Berle, Buddy Hackett are going to be there. I could figure this out. And I wrote and wrote and wrote for a month. So I had like 15 pages of shit, <laughs> right? Like I didn't know how – you couldn't try them out. Like it wouldn't make sense. I didn't have any like 
reputation as a roaster. So I just had to take what I wrote and bring it. And it's like 1,800 people at the New York Hilton. Howard Stern's in the balcony <laughs> hiding. And, you know, he, everybody's like curious as what the new guys are going to say at these roasts. And Milton Burl brought me up with this. Like, he's just back from a convention in Vegas of lesbians with dildo rash, <laughs> like just missing me completely. You know what I mean? Like, it, I just was like another dude who would bomb, right? It was already like a couple. They tried a few new people out, like SNL writers and shit. They all bombed. And I go up in my one good suit I had left over from being an usher <laughs> of the audience. I go, a lot of you don't know me. I realize a lot of you don't know me, but I feel uniquely qualified. And I see everyone else, like like Bill Burl starts poking me in the ribs. Like every time I get a big laugh, I'd get a boom. Like, like the only other person to ever do that to me was my cantor at my bar mitzvah, like to keep me from getting too nervous. So I'm like, fucking Burl is – is messing with me. And, you know, I'm hitting like seven out of 10. Like the jokes are working. But, you know, when I hit, I hit big. Look at this place. I've seen younger faces on cash. <laughs> shit, like it was obvious to me. And finally, I can't take it anymore. And I turn to Burl. And there's like, this is like a big thing for me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like I start roasting Burl, which was like way out of my pay scale. Right. But it's all like, hey, I was walking around downtown today. I saw a Milton Burrow in an antique shop, 800 bucks. <laughs> just whatever I could think of, repurposing other shit I've said. It's just like in a panic. Finally, we're going back and forth. Buddy Hackett, who I hadn't even met, is like 15 seats down the dais. Back then, it was like a it was like a 747. The dais had like 30 people on each side, everything from the police commissioner to Patty Hearst would be at these Friars Club roasts in New York. And Buddy Hackett, without a microphone, he's like, Hey, Burl, let the kid work. <laughs> Remember when you used to? And Burl just hightails it down the end of the dais and just plants one on Buddy's lips. And I'm like, oh, keep it going for Milton Burl and Buddy Hack. Between the two of them, they have over 100 years of homosexual experience. <laughs> and that was it. There's a picture in my office uh, of Burl just kissing me and hugging me. And that was sort of my my Yankee Stadium moment. It like changed my your life. life. And, and I go back to the Friars Club after and. Buddy's holding court in one room because he doesn't smoke. He just drinks. And Milton Burl's holding court with the cigar smokers in another room back at the Friars Club. And, you know, we're – and I said to Buddy, like, why would – thank you for backing me up on that. Why would why would Burl have interrupted me? Like, why would he have – he goes, oh, he don't like other guys getting the attention. And and, and I go, oh, that seems really weird. Like, <laughs> after all these years in show business, these guys like 80 years old. So then I go into Burl's room and I'm like, thank you for – <laughs> you know, playing around with me. Like, I, I don't know how to even phrase the question. Like, why were you fucking torturing me <laughs> while I was trying to, like, do my very first, like, show, roast? And he goes, uh, he just sort of, he goes, oh, you did good, you know, but they only remember the home runs. Remember, they only remember the home runs. And you didn't explain it. And I, I get home and I'm looking at my notes and I'm, like, seeing what I did and what hit. I go, oh, okay. He was just telling me, stick to the real, like, homers. You know, if it's not a banger, cut it. And I learned that in that day. And then I was like, wow, this is really like my my thing. I, I'm really into it. And, and I love that it was not just – I wasn't just the only comedian in a – like it was all – it was suddenly like I was performing for the smartest people, not the dumbest, drunkest people. So that changed your life. I mean, that night. And what did Seagal react? I mean – Seagal laughed at the jokes that he understood. <laughs> um, I didn't – you know, he was almost just like a prop – in my afternoon with Hackett, Burl, Henny, you know, it was just like some roasts are like that. You know, Pam Anderson, we roasted, but it was really about Courtney Love. Right. You know, that just sort of happens sometimes where, you know, the shows go off the rails. At what point do you go, look, let's pitch this as a TV show. Does Comedy Central come to you? How does it become the Jeff Ross, the, the roast that we know today? The, and I did another one or two. Kelsey Grammer did a Friars roast, and I was just like starting to get a reputation of being good at the roast within the Friars Club New York community. Like there was a couple – they would get a lot of press back then. You know, my career was fine. Um, I was plugging along. I was kind of going – stand-up's great, and I had just done my first Letterman, which was like a, another life-changing kind of moment. But I was also like, hmm, you know, how do you break out and sound different, and what's your lane? And – 
I kept thinking, like, how do I get these on TV? And the old guys, I was, I got moved up to the board of the Friars, and Alan King, some of the older guard, would give me a lot of shit about me having too much control, too much influence, showing off too much at the Rose. So I would always do everything I could to make everybody comfortable. I'd get everybody booked. Stewie Stone, Freddie Roman, uh, Alan King, I'd get them all on the Rose. And I tried to earn their respect slowly by by not being greedy about it. And eventually I go... I sit down with the Friars Club guys, the guys who really booked it, and I said, what about Drew Carey? And they go, well, who's Drew Carey? <laughs> so I, I go out to the newsstand. I get a TV guy. He's on the cover. Right. They don't know who he is, right? Wow. So it's just not on their radar. Yep. And they go, oh, okay, he has a number one TV show. I go, this <laughs> yes, would be great. And I called Drew, who I'd been doing punch-up on his sitcoms and stuff for a couple of years. So I knew him a little bit. I knew his manager, Rick Messina, a little bit. And I said, would you guys be open to this? And Drew's like, oh, man, I used to love the roast. And can we get Kipadada and all these old guys that he loved? And I made a little shidduch between Comedy Central and Drew and his team and the Friars Club. And I stayed out of it. I said, just try to make this happen. I just promised me I could help write for the guys who do it and the gals who do it. And, and you'll get it on TV. And that was it. They made a five-year deal with, the, with Comedy Central. The Friars Club, and I, I, sorry, I came on as a segment producer. Um, I would help write everybody's parts, and it was love, man. I loved it. I found my sort of niche. Something I mean, that, you're so you're so good at it. When did you take over? When did it become your show? That took another ten years, probably, oh, until wow. I was executive producing. I would always work my way up and try to make a better deal every single year at Comedy Central, but it was, it was drip, drip, drip. I've done over twenty of them. You know, who knows where it goes now, but. And so the first one was Drew Carey. Drew Carey, that I think maybe Jerry Stiller. That one kind of broke broke it open because that was where B. Arthur came. <laughs> and she wasn't even on the show. She was just there because she loved Jerry Stiller. And I'm looking at my notes and I'm going through my set and it's going really well. And I'm making fun of Jerry Stiller. So ugly. Your Hebrew name is Yich. You know, it's just jokes. <laughs> And finally, I'm, now that I see I'm killing, as soon as you know you're killing, you kind of go, all right, well, maybe I can take a take a little liberty here. And I just was lucky enough that the act before me was Sandra Bernhardt. And I love Sandra Bernhardt. And she wanted to do something different. So she sang a sexy song to Jerry Stiller. And he's very squeamish, not comfortable with sexy or dirty talk. So right. the whole thing was kind of funny and awkward, very awkward. Because Ann Mira is sitting right there, too. They're married. Ben Stiller's parents. The whole thing is awkward. And finally, I just... I go up next and I go, Sandra Bernhardt, holy shit, I wouldn't fuck you with B. Arthur's dick. (laughs) (laughs) And the joke's okay. It's But B. Arthur's look, she did the slow burn and then gave me a finger. And that made it like a grand slam. Like they put him. Anyone who's listening and doesn't know B. Arthur, one of the great sitcom actors of all time from Maud. But uh, I mean, she has that look that it it doesn't seem like you would want to say that to her face. I I mean, mean, you're also that just that's the thing about the roast. You're not safe in the audience. You can't be if you're in the building, you are fair game. I I was thinking like, God, I'd love to go to that. I wouldn't be caught. You couldn't find me anywhere near. the. You don't even want to be in the building because he he could come. Hey, you go after. Well, that's what I find. There are no rules. Do Do you are you nervous about? the people or you're nervous just if the laughs are going to work do you feel like do you worry uh you know with seagal or anyone like that's going to just get up and punch you in the face ever back, back then i did worry about that stuff lately i remember i know you guys love dice dice called me up after the charlie <laughs> sheen roast and he's like and dice never respected me dice would always blow me off fuck with me dismiss me at the comedy store i was an open i was a beginner trying to talk to him like uh, Cafe Roman, Beverly Hills, and he'd just be like, you'd shoo me away. I love Dice, you know? And then finally this one day, whatever it was, after the Charlie Sheen roast, I see, you know, uh, uh, it's Andrew Dice Clay, call me or whatever. Or I no, I just picked up the phone and he goes, hey, uh, this is Dice. Uh, hey, I just saw the roast. Uh, 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 uh. He goes, I, 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 very funny, but, you know, some of those things you said to Mike Tyson, like, you're fucking crazy. That <laughs> fucking animal would kill you. You're and, and like suddenly we were friends after that. Like he so, got your respect. I mean, that's it took so. A while. Is, is Charlie Sheen won that jump. Is what roasts jump out at you? I mean, I've seen all of them, and I like different parts about them. What is there anything one that jumps out? You know, I always think so, but then something happens, and you go, "Oh, that really." The the more distance you get from them, the more they jump. They, I remember them better for some reason because. Like if someone – when Anna Nicole Smith died or, or, or Farrah Fawcett passed away, they were all guests at 
William Shatner's roast or Pam Anderson's roast. And then sometimes they're a cultural moment like we roasted Flava Flav and you wouldn't think that was a big roast. But it was coming off a terrible moment with Michael Richards screaming the N-word at a comedy right. club. Right. And, you know, it showed that when you – when professionals get together and do stuff not like that but make fun of each other, it's not offensive. It's healing. And off that, like me and Kimmel and Cat Williams and uh, Carrot Top was there. You know, we all get together. We're going to roast Flava Flav. And I go, this is what comedy needs right now. A bunch of white guys and black guys getting together and showing it. It's all fucking fun. Right. That there's no anger here. Right. And, you know, no one had more fun than Flavor Flav. My opening joke was, I don't even want to do this. How do you even embarrass a crackhead who wears a Viking helmet? <laughs> and, you know, Flavor Flav, the chair's too big. His feet are kicking up and down. Like, it was so much fun. So when people say, what's your favorite? I think about Flavor Flav. I think about the, the, the Pam Anderson roast. I, 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 but then I also go, well, who's next? My favorite. I say enjoy the process. Whoever's next is my favorite. Dom Herrera destroying Ed Norton on the Alec Ball. Was it Alec Ball? Uh, the Bruce Willis roast. Yeah. Dom Herrera gets Ed Norton in his crosshairs, and it's a fucking massacre, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, you go, I'm just happy I'm not in that room. But well, I don't understand why what you, Jonah Hill was at the James Franco roast. And there was a lot of talk, Seth Rogen and James Franco, you know, where they were saying, I don't know if Jonah will do it right up until a, a week before. Like, he's sensitive about this and sensitive about that. And I'm thinking, like, Jonah Hill's like one of the most made guys in town. Like he's he's he, and I had a talk with him, and 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 he wound up being like the most fun. Like I think the jokes that he said that we said about him, we were in tuxedos. It was very sort of rat packy. And when you start to surround yourself with your friends and your loved ones and your family, like it, you got to just dust it off. Like it's it's it, it almost like changed the way he is. Like he had this little bit of like guard up every time I met him. And then once he got roasted and was part of it and then got to retort, I think it's a healing thing. I did a joke for John. It was pretty good. I go, uh, he had had, a, I guess, a small part in um, Django Unchained, right? And I said, uh, so when Jonah Hill's agent called and said, Quentin Tarantino wants you for his new Spaghetti Western. Jonah was like, you had me at spaghetti. <laughs> so, you know, he's literally crying, laughing with Seth Rogen having his arm his around. buddies, right. So, like, think about every picture you've ever seen of Sinatra and Dean and Sammy. And they're all cry- they're all laugh- falling into each other laughing. So, at a certain point, it's more fun than it hurts. Right. And if you're with – you also – you know, if you book people that respect you, then you're then you're even stronger because now you got your friends doing it. And if somebody takes the time to write a well-crafted insult about me, I take that as a compliment. Even if the joke hurts or the joke flops, I go, here's somebody who took the time to, like, think about me. And I consider that, you know, an honor. But when you go in, like, with a guy like De Niro, does that stress you out? That Like, how how, how do you make fun well, of What's De Niro going to do, though? I'd be no, more afraid I, of Mike Tyson I'm than not, De Niro. I'm not talking about yeah. afraid. I'm just like, he's public persona. I guess you have some good stuff. But I don't know. Does any I, of it? I'd worked with, Rob, with Robert De Niro, so I was foaming at the mouth to get, to get, to get out there with him. Has it ever happened where people feel comfortable? People feel comfortable uh, doing it, and then... All of a sudden, you afterwards, you're like, okay, that person's hurt. Have you seen anybody hurt by the roast? The closest we came, I remember Larry King, I guess it was the Trump roast, but I feel like he did another one too, where now the roasts were even up a notch from the old days. Right. Right? They're way more. It's almost like the roller derby, the UFC, ver- like it, it was way, the, professional wrestling was almost like, the, the closest to the way these roasts were. Every, everybody's personas were amped up and heightened. And and we really buried Larry King. He was a guest. And, I mean, it was like he had just left CNN. I called him the hunchback of CNN. <laughs> and and he wanted to get into comedy. He was doing, like, speaking engagements, thinking, oh, the roast will be good. I love Jeff, you know, some of these other guys. But you, I could tell he, he was, you know, like he, three or four comics had come out, and he was just— he couldn't believe how harsh they were on him. And he was getting mad and he was like, 
he was he was he was getting a little grouchy during the commercial breaks. Like <laughs> like what, how long is this going on? He wanted to leave. He was done. And then he went up, and we armed him with such great material right. that he got his comeuppance. And it's set, this the roasters set up that way. If someone's getting creamed and that we we put them later so that they earn it, they earn that 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 license to kill. And Larry killed so fucking hard, and his material was irreverent and self-aware and cutting and clever. And he's so used to talking off the cuff or telling old, you know, shtick that he really shined. And then he's completely turned. And he was like jubilant. He went to the after party, and he's talking to everybody. So you can see how these things can sort of – my goal, you know, I'm the son of a caterer. My goal when I produce these shows is for everyone to leave a roast going, that was so much fun. I hope they do it again or I hope they roast me next time. You know, you want people to go home and tell their kids what the jokes were, not like be embarrassed. Right. I, I, I've been on the other side of that. I've, I've seen comedians go too far in the clubs and the early roast stuff I would do. And I've even had some of my, my friends go too hard on certain celebrities. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be the guy that upsets William Shatner because I made a joke about his wife passing away. That's not my goal <laughs> In this show. Like, I love fucking William Shatner. I want to be the guy who he thinks is about to do that and then turns the other way. And it's a joke about something that he can crack up. at. It's amazing. I mean, you're so freaking good at it. I mean, even when you, you know, at my birthday party, you were just coming in. You didn't really know me. And it's your delivery and your demeanor that does take a lot of the sting away from it. Yeah. Um, but has anyone gotten really upset with you or at all? One time. Courtney Love held me down while B. Arthur beat the shit. <laughs> um, man, I, I'm always pained to tell these stories, but there's a couple of times where people weren't good sports. I know you guys are big movie guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Johnny Russo's in the Godfather movies. You know this actor? Yeah. And I'd seen him socially through my pal, uh, Keith Frankel, you know, New Jersey businessman. Uh, you know, I'm from Jersey. So... I would do these, like, uh, country club gigs for them, you know, and where they just love me to, like, do my act and spritz a few people. <laughs> and they always treat me really well. And I'd see Johnny Russo at these events every now and then. And now I get to know him. So I'm like, oh, maybe Johnny Russo's a guy I can have some fun with. And he played the uh, – he, he, he played – Sinatra. So I'm sitting there and Johnny Russo comes in and he's probably, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me. And he's got his shirt open down to his belly button. He looks great. Teeth white, tan, hair pushed back, just like, you know, you'd, you'd want to see this guy. And he still looks like his character from the Godfather films. And uh, I think he was in Godfather 1. And he's with this smoking hot chick, probably 40 years younger than him, smoking hot, right? So, like, he's made, right? He's a guy you want. He's in the front front table, this is the guy. So I go up and I'm like, you know, make fun of my buddy Keith. And I do a couple of jokes about the food and the waiters and whatever the fuck it is. And I go, and Johnny Russo, I love you, Johnny Russo. I'm a big fan of all your film. <laughs> and the place erupts. And he just fucking stares me down. He, and he starts yelling back at me. Who the fuck are you to make fun of me? I've been in 38 movies, this whole thing, right? And I'm like, Johnny, no offense, just a joke, blah, blah, blah. And I started going in a little harder because he's, you know, he's mad. And, and uh, Do you remember how you go in harder or no? Uh, it was yeah. just like, you know, button up your shirt, whatever, you know, like <laughs> – He's talking to him in a way that he's not accustomed. Right. Clearly. <laughs> so he did get mad enough where he fucked up. It kind of fucked up my mojo that day. I kind of, the rest of the set wasn't very good. Like, now you got a guy in the front row who wants to kill me who's probably connected. And I'm. Tr- it's very distracting when you go into your material about whatever, airplane food or whatever it is. You see some guy who wants to kill you and you don't know when or where. And... He doesn't talk to me afterwards. He avoids I avoid him. I go home, and my buddy Keith is like, yeah, Johnny's pretty pissed still. And I go, am I trying? that one joke? Yeah. Even I could have handled he, he that. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. And uh, and a couple days go by, and it's bugging me. It's really bugging me. And, you know, like, I don't like bad energy. And I'm like, this guy, I'm going to have a fucking ant who's going to disappear. Like, what's going to happen here? <laughs> So I did call Johnny Russo, as I never, ever apologized for this kind of shit. But I was like, 
I was like, hey, man, I didn't mean to, you know, if I went too far or whatever, this and that. He was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know, like he gave you some shit but acted like he didn't care. Yeah, Johnny um, Russo played Talia Shire's husband in The Godfather, who everybody hated because he was clearly, like, just taking money from her, right? They, they, he beat her up. I mean, he had a good— James Conn kicked his a, ass yeah. in the He had a movie. good role in film. He had a great in role. A film. But, yeah. <laughs> well, James Conn actually—James Conn talked about him on this because James—I think Jimmy threw him around a little bit when they were doing the scene. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt that. I'm, he to, I mean, I'm crazy. We actually have it recorded for this podcast, but he, like— he he gave him a shot or something. I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but so he got him back for you. But uh, so in the end, I think I'm okay. Do you let people tell you that things are off limits, or is that just a non-starter? I like to know if there's a sensitive area, and even when I find out, it doesn't mean that I'm being censored. It's just nice to know. I'm like producing these shows, or or at the very least, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'm there because the person wants me there. I got to jump back, though, to De Niro. What did you work with on De Niro before this? I wrote the original uh, draft of uh, the comedian movie that he did. Wow. To me, he just didn't seem like he was with it. But you It's not really his thing, obviously. It is his thing. He loves the roast. He loves the comics. That's awesome. I take De Niro to the Fires Club. We're researching the role, and he, he... Bob knows all the old comics. So Larry Storch shows up who played Agon in F Troop. It was already in reruns for 20 years when I was a kid. <laughs> but this is like De Niro's childhood comics. Uh, was Larry Storch was a stand-up comic before he was an actor. And, you know, I bring Larry over and he's very, you know, honored and thrilled to meet Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro starts verbatim going into Larry Storch's act from the 1940s. That's amazing. He can remember. He has a, he has a memory like that. And, and uh, so I knew Bob would have a good sense of humor. And uh, That's great. I mean, what do you think of Bob and King of Comedy, which is one of my favorite movies? I mean, but like doing stand-up. I mean, it's not easy to pretend you're a stand-up and do it out there, you know? Um, he nailed it. He yeah. nailed it. And then, you know, I look at that and I go, this is what happens for, to a comedian who can't get arrested. Like, you know, it's very – they lose their mind. And, you know, whatever it was decades later, well, the thing we worked on was about a, a comedian like Pat Cooper who 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 can't stay out of trouble. Like, he's always firing off. You know, when we wrote it, Bob explained how he wanted the character. He goes, you know how when you do your roast, you you you, you, you kill everybody in the room and at the, the, at, the, at the end you say something sweet and this character doesn't do the sweet part at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he gets it and I knew he'd be fine with it. Well, that's one, awesome. one of the other things too I noticed about the roast is you've broken a lot of unknown comics. Like Nikki Glaser, for example. I mean, she dropped out of the sky for me. I, she, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, who I I'd never heard of this? Who is this? Who is this girl? So I think there was a few examples of comedians that I discovered on on the roast. Who who have you who have you broken? Do you think? Well, not that you want to take credit for anybody's career, but who 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 have you broken? Well, I mean, I was one of them, so I get <laughs> it. You know, it's like you know the roast. It's like a quick path out of the pack. You know, you're kind of a club comic, and we all will work the comedy cellar, and every time. Somebody walks to the bathroom, you can kind of tell if they have what it takes to, like, be on the big dais. And, you know, the comics that came on the roast and broke out were Lisa Lampanelli, Amy oh, Schumer, Anthony Jeselnik, Whitney Cummings, Nikki, Pete Davidson. Nikki Glazer was one of them. And, of course, Nikki, who's just ta- who's taken it, man. She's taken that, that, that platform and made a—I mean, she doesn't hold back. She, she <laughs> goes out for a month— before the roast, as soon as she gets the call to do it, sometimes she has more notice than other times, and she's out there like doing three, four sets a night with notes, like make making a making art, you know, a six minute painting but out of somebody's not, life. But so she's practicing those roast jokes without them there in, in yeah, clubs. We and all stuff? do. Sometimes okay. I'll even bring up someone from the audience, and I'll be like, "All right, I need a bald guy to be Bruce Willis." <laughs> oh my god, that's and I'll hilarious! Just do it, and then you know. Uh, you ask about favorites, like sometimes it's not the show itself, but it's the friendships you make that make it your favorites. Like Bruce Willis and I hit it off. We're both from Jersey. He wanted me in the commercials with him. He, he would call me every other day and go, hey, you know, I have a speech impediment. I stutter. Whatever you do, um, mention that. I go, why do you want me to mention that? He goes, well, if, if, if you don't, if you go easy on me, my friends at home, they're going to give me shit. So I need <laughs> you to go hard. And every, he would always try out jokes and call me. And we became, you know, friendly enough where he wrote me the most beautiful letter afterwards and always send him presents back and forth. Like you become, you get to know people these ways. Like Justin Bieber 
him getting roasted on Comedy Central was his idea, was his manager's wow. idea. And he called us. So now you have somebody who wants it. When you have somebody who wants it, man, you can really like make a great show because now they're making the calls to, to get people to do it. And they're going to la- they're going to be great in their rebuttal. You always want somebody whose rebuttal is going to be anticipated. Joan Rivers was the funniest person at her own roast because her rebuttal was so seething and hilarious and relevant and like in the moment. So uh, it's like it's like a movement now. I these roast battles that, you know, and, and the historical roasts on Netflix and you know, I go to jails and 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 I went to the border and roasted migrants as they crossed over <laughs> from Mexico. Like I got a little impatient waiting for celebrities to go, yeah, I'll put a tux on, we'll do it for charity, you know. I got impatient waiting all I wanted to do roasts all the time, so I started opening it up and taking it off the celebrities and volunteers from the audience. If I do my live stand-up, you know, once once we can be within six feet of each other again, I'll go back to lining people up, volunteers only. I don't pick on people. That's bullying. And I'm a victim of bullying from when I was a kid, and that's what got me into all this in the first place was, like, learning how to, like, handle yourself uh, in tense situations, and roasting's really good for that. And I, I'm a black belt in karate, but I would still rather diffuse a situation with comedy, a well-armed insult. Right. Right. Uh, and, and to me, that that making that lane, that that lane, a five-lane highway that has all these different dimensions to it, is what sustains me. A lot of people started doing the roast, and then they kind of got predictable, so they kind of step out of it. And, but to me, it was like, this is a cool way to see the world. It's like a backstage pass to the to, to, to Earth for me. Like, I've gone to War Zones and the Playboy Mansion and Super Bowls and just because I've been taking the piss out of people. Are you this happy, Jeff? I mean, you, you really do seem like you absolutely love it and it comes across in your work. But we know... A lot of comedians do not. They have that dark side. Do you have that? Because you really do seem so fucking centered and so happy with what you're doing. And it's great. Thank you, Doug. I do love it. I do really love it. I I, I started, my childhood wasn't cheery all the time. And comedy kind of took me out of the the depression. I mean, we all go through moments and. But but I know you lost, you lost uh, your your mother young, I think? or Both my parents when I was a teenager, five years apart. I was 14 when my mother died and 19 when my father died. It was like kill or be killed. Like my sister and I kind of had a moment of like, are we going to be like these like lame ass orphan kids that everybody feels sorry for? Or are we going to have the best fucking lives ever? We didn't know what we were doing at the time. It was just like survival technique. And of course, there's there's people in the world who have it much worse than us, and and uh, but to me, having thick skin and trying to stay positive and think positive, we're all made to mourn, but we're really made to mourn and move on. That's what how human beings are built, not to dwell on sad stuff. Take these sad accidents and try to make art out of it. You know, happy accidents. I don't know if I would have been a comedian if my parents had lived. So I look at, I try to find silver linings. You know, and every time I talk about Buddy Hackett or, 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 you know, getting stoned with Cheech and Chong or meeting <laughs> Eddie Murphy, I really go, wow, my parents, they would have fucking flipped out over this. You know, even at your birthday, your dad's there and I hear the stories on the podcast about, you know, your dad. Be, like, I, I definitely get a little jealous of my comedian friends when they get to like, I just bought my dad a car or I, you know, my parents are in the audience tonight. So that that that. That's the kind of stuff that hurts, but I don't let it get me so down where I'm incapacitated. And I'm, I never want to be a victim of anything. Like early in my career, like we talk so much now these days about the toxic atmosphere in comedy clubs. And I, I get that. Like I totally understand that. I was the cute kid, 23 years old at the bar, where the older predator guys would, you know— hit on me or try to fill me up or trick me into being their friend. And I, I definitely was that dumb, naive, pretty kid who came to some guy's house and in, in, under, the, uh, under the idea of him giving me acting lessons or breathing exercises and getting, you know, felt up and going, what the fuck's going on here? And just being embarrassed and getting out of there and, and, and having to go back and face that guy you know, who who basically had his hand down my pants at four in the morning trying to tell me how talented I was when, in fact, he was just trying to 
whatever, God knows, and and then having to go back to that club, you know, over and over and face that guy. And I go, am I going to be a victim of this guy where I'm so embarrassed and humiliated I can't go back? Or am I going to use that to thicken my skin and and use it as a cautionary tale for me and my male and female colleagues going forward and and using that not as experience so much as just sort of um you know one one more scar in my life and going all right I survived that I can be proud that I survived that okay and and that's what prepared me for Hollywood for show business for for the challenges that we face and I go I'm never going to be a victim of Whatever tragedy it is, it's always going to have to be um, something that, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And in this case, maybe funnier. Well, I I mean, I got to be honest, Jeff, you're fucking amazing and your outlook is and uh, what you do. I've been watching. He's also a big supporter of the troops, too. He goes. Yep, I know. He, he talked about roasting him, and I love everything you do and the way you do it. Uh, everyone's got to check out Jeff's podcast, Thick Skin. Thick Skin with Jeff Ross is on Apple iTunes, and thank you. I got another show coming out April 23rd on LiveByLive.com. It's a streamer. Yeah, my brother owns it. <laughs> well, they've been good to me um, hosting the Oscars edition of the Snubbies. We make fun of all the uh, movies that got snubbed by the Oscars. I shot it last week. It's going to be great. Awesome. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see everything you do. And uh, if I ever actually work again, I'm going to try to get you to work with me. But, uh, but this is great. And it was nice to have, it wasn't a serious conversation, but it was nice to kind of dig in and hear that kind of stuff. Because I've always been sort of interested in how you came to, to be that. So thanks. You've always been up. a huge Rose fan, Kev. And I jump before- on the IG lives. I made it. You gave me a couple of shout outs. So on the IG lives, when he's roasting people, you can jump into the comments. And if Jeff thinks I've it's funny, he'll announce times, it. But I don't oh, try no. to jump in. I don't try to compete <laughs> with the lines. And, you know, I did write one on Jeff's. I'm, I'm telling you, everybody. Did it make, did it, make it? Uh, Jeff gave me a, a polite oh. nod of some kind. But I think everybody <laughs> for real. And I saw it. I told Venner. I said, Jeff Ross is a fucking genius when you started doing this. And I knew it was going to blow up. But anyone who doesn't uh, look at Jeff Ross's Instagram, check it out. And if you do want to get roasted, he will fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yes. Assault he you. has no problem. Just, just <laughs> as throw long the, as it's consent. Throw yeah. the picture up there and you will get roasted. <laughs> and I feel I feel really good, though. I mean, I got one joke. Jeff Jacobs in my roommate's going to love that one. I feel good about it. that uh, I made it out without that. But Jeffrey, thank you for coming in. Thank you in. so much. You're, we're both big fans and we really appreciate Congrats. it. Congrats. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the new podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Victory. <laughs> there you go. Kevin Dillon, you're out. <laughs> Jeff Ross. And... By the way, he'd be a great guest host. <laughs> we can get him. Make that Victory! deal. Victory! Thanks for listening.